Hello. My name is Joe Hogan. Many of you know me as Epic Grays in various video games and social media. Welcome to episode 19 of Geektitude, a geek culture podcast that celebrates the inner geek in all of us. Today, I'm very excited to be joined by Kwanzaa Osajifo, the creator of the graphic novel Black. How are you doing this morning? I'm doing great. How are you doing? Pretty good. Pretty good. Nice, uh, cool day out in Palm Springs, California. Sunny, but, but very cool. How are you guys doing on the East Coast? Actually, today is beautiful. So I think uh, that groundhog is a legitimate source of a weather forecast. <laughs> <laughs> Very cool. Um, we're going to get right into the interview, get to know who we're talking to. Uh, go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself. Oh, well, uh, you already introduced me, Kwanzaa Sajifo. Um, I guess now known for being the co-creator of Black and uh, essentially, it was a Kickstarter that we did to put out a graphic novel uh, entertaining the idea of, you know, what if only black people had superpowers? Um, it's an idea I came up with 10 years ago, and uh, I approached my uh, co-creator, Tim Smith, to, to work on the project. But, you know, life got in the way. We were both working, you know, he's working at Marvel. I was, like, starting my career at DC Comics, so we kind of sat on it for a while. But uh, you know, as the years like drew on, we kind of realized that it was even more relevant today than it was when I came up with it and decided to like reach out to our colleagues and awesome uh, collaborators, Jamal Eigel, uh, Kari Randolph, and Sarah Litt, and actually put this book together and put it out there, see if people were interested in it. So far, it looks like they are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're going to talk cool. about we're going to talk about that considerably uh, a little bit. Um, what else goes on with you? Um, what else do you do when you're not, you know, blowing up Kickstarter? <laughs> well, I mean, I work in I work, I work in uh, social media marketing, but uh, like for hobbies, like I, I do like to write, and I'm a pretty, I'm I'm a little bit above casual gamer. <laughs> but, uh, okay. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's kind of what I do in my spare time. It's like I, I come up with like crazy stories, and like you know, when this Kickstarter's over, I might have myself like a Street Fighter Five weekend. <laughs> um, what are your areas of of geekitude? What are the areas where you feel like you're very um, big into geek culture? Uh, obviously, video games. I'm a huge, huge sci-fi nerd. Like you know, I, I often you know say the thing about Black is like it's a sci-fi story. I mean, definitely superheroes is is a, is a clear influence within it, but it's really science fiction. Um, mm -hmm. So I love like Doctor Who. I love Star Trek. I love Star Wars. Like I'm just really into like sci-fi. So that's that's the genre I always go to first when I uh, flick on Netflix or Hulu or something. And anime is another big one. So I lived in Japan for a year, and I mean I was in the anime before that, but yeah, it's just something that like I'm I'm always digesting like anime and manga. That's one thing that I keep trying to get into, but it's just such a vast catalog of, of stuff. It's hard to know where to start. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, that's that's the appeal of it, because I always feel like, you know, especially in comparison to, like, American comic books, which are, you know, like, more focused on superheroes, or at least in terms of, like, you know, public consciousness, like, is very superhero-driven. Mm -hmm. But manga is just kind of like, you're always opening, like, this awesome box of toys where you never really quite know what you're going to get out of it. And, like, they're guaranteed like at least 10 percent of it's going to be something like really cool <laughs> like, that might right. actually change your brain so um that that's always the appeal of it i like that variety and it's one of the sources of inspiration for doing something like black which you know i kind of felt like i, I needed to tell a story that kind of went outside of the norm 
You know, and that's something that even even when it when it's successful, even and even when it's not, that's something that, like anime and manga always does. They they very much go after things where you're just like, really? It's like, huh? An entire series about basketball, huh? Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. Uh. During the day, I am an English teacher, and uh, a while ago, I had a um. Uh, a student that I could not get to read, like he just did not want to read. It it was not something that interested him, and I I maintain that it's not that you don't like reading it's that you haven't found your genre yet yeah and so um i i went to my local comic book store and i'm like this kid likes soccer (laughs) what do you have that will be good for somebody who likes soccer and uh i don't remember the name of the the manga but you know that's that's what i did i found a, a manga that was all about soccer and I was like, I will give you the next <laughs> the next novel if you if you read this this week's assignment. Wow! Yeah, you gotta make you gotta make deals. You gotta make deals. <laughs> <laughs> so, are there areas where you feel like your geekitude is low, where you uh, you don't necessarily fit into those conversations because you it's just not your thing? Uh, I would probably say like D and D. Like I tried playing when I was like e- like younger and like you know still like you know, growing into like my geekitude, but D and D was like one of those things where it's like, I love RPGs. I love like fantasy as well, but the whole idea of like rolling dice and like sitting around in a room, like the social aspect of it, I'm like, Oh, that's cool. But the actual like math and keeping that in your head, I'm like, ah, oh, can I just use a PlayStation controller for this? <laughs> never, <laughs> I've never like got down with it. And, and, and it's, it's, it's a thing where it's just like, I think maybe I just need the right group. <laughs> But I'm definitely yeah. kind of like looking at it going like, I don't know, maybe it's not the right group. Maybe it's just the math. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's 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 a, a bunch of series out there that they try and take a little bit of the math away. But then then you have to worry about people kind of doing the old um, playground rules or well, I had a force field up. <laughs> right. <laughs> Does it count? <laughs> so. Other than um, than Black, do you have anything else that you're currently working on? No, I mean Black is really my first uh, foray into uh, writing, uh, you know, uh, graphic novels and doing like sequential art storytelling. I mean, I'm definitely planning on, you know, extending this. That's the one thing that sort of came out of doing this Kickstarter. Is my intention was just like you know focusing on this book, but the reception has been so great that it made me realize that I need to start thinking about what other kind of stories I can tell in this universe. So that's why I set up one of the stretch goals to do something I've always been kind of interested in, which is, you know, um, doing like a mobile comic. And so we're going to do the man diaries, which sort of explains a little bit or, or really like teases the idea of like how this phenomenon happened and how long it's been going on. So it, it follows uh, the man family from like the 15th century until modern times and like how they sort of document this phenomenon throughout the centuries. Well, that's pretty cool. Yeah. That's that's exciting. Um, what's your favorite fandom? What's your favorite area that is just that is your go to anytime you need to to feel your full geek? Uh, well, definitely comics. I mean, that's the, like I was I was a fan, you know, from very young, and you know, then became a professional in the field. But I could honestly like talk comic books, you know, with my colleagues and friends and even strangers, like all night long. <laughs> you really could. And the ins and outs too, like not just about the stories we love, but like the people and the publishers. It's like the whole like gamut is like what I really like I, I can throw down. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh and then uh 
the question that I like to kind of end with now is, is there something out there that you absolutely love, but you don't feel has been, um, people have not been exposed to? It's kind of that hidden gem that more people need to know about because it's just, you love it. Hmm. I don't, I don't know, uh, what I could think of in that area. Cause I mean, the internet has just been like, and social media has just been so good at elevating things to the forefront. It's sort of like if somebody's looking, they can find it. Um, mm-hmm. I guess, I guess it's just more like the independent comic books that are out there because I don't think that people do know that there's a variety of comic book and comic book storytelling out there that's, you know, getting to be on par with manga. So while everybody's like seeing like the superhero stuff, I think two things that have happened that have, that are starting to tweak that perception were the release of like Guardians of the Galaxy and now Deadpool, where it's just like, oh, this genre could have a little bit more depth. And what you think is superhero, again, might just be sci-fi, which is, which is why I like to call black sci-fi. It's just like it's it, it has these elements in there, but really it's it's science fiction. But all of the great stuff that's coming out from like Image right now is like stuff people should really be looking at, like Paper Girls by Brian K. Vaughn and of course Saga, which everyone is aware of. But you know, mm-hmm. when when you see things like Walking Dead, a lot of people don't realize, or you know, or it just doesn't register with them. It's like, yeah, it's a six season show that everybody loves, but it is a comic book. Like it is an ongoing comic book that has been going on for over a decade at this point. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, it's nice to be able to expose people to uh, to new and different books that aren't just uh, you know capes and cowls. Right. Very cool. All right. Well, we're going to talk a little bit about what we did uh, to keep it geek this week. <laughs> um, speaking of of Kickstarters, uh, last week I had uh, Charlie Feldman on with uh, the group Creature Tubes, and she was promoting her Kickstarter for a gem fan film. And uh, so the very exciting thing was, is we were all kind of pushing it and promoting it and trying to get people to to help them reach their goal. And with three hours to go, they are just under a thousand dollars past their goal. That is awesome. And now that you highlighted that to me, I am going to go and back that project because that's something I geek on. I'm actually a huge gym fan. <laughs> Are you really? That's awesome. I am not kidding. Like that's what it is. I really like the new take in the comic book, and like that film was like such. I didn't go see it, and obviously nobody <laughs> nobody else did either. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, it's just one of those things where it's like, how could you even approach this concept and ignore everything about it that makes it awesome? Like I completely understand. Like like I'm a big big you know fan of people. Um, you know, making films film and letting, you know, books be books and comics be comics. And so like when you look at a film like The Shining, like that's a great film that stands on its own and is mm-hmm. and is and took the right elements from the from the novel and brought them into like making a good film. You know, and you can see the difference if you've ever seen like the adaptation of like The Shining for T V versus this <laughs> the film. You're just like it's like, oh yeah, that film's still really awesome. Um and with something like Jim, it was just sort of like you completely ignored what people loved about this and that's why this didn't work <laughs> you know yeah well and, and then um i'm not a huge gem fan i mean i certainly enjoyed it when i was um younger it was kind of one of those cartoons that landed in between two other cartoons that i'd watch and you just kind of leave it on while it's playing but um but for me it was more about kind of sending the message that if you're gonna if you're gonna do a movie about a property um 
to do it justice. You know, it's from from everything I understood, the the gem movie that was released in theaters was a script that had been floating around for a really long time, and they just decided to kind of stick gem on it to to give it a a, a franchise name. Right. And uh, and if it was just released as a movie on its own, it probably would have been fine. But you know, it's kind of sending that message that you know people want their their fandoms, the things that they love, to be kind of treated with respect by the people who are are doing them. And I think in a in an age when you've got super fans like J.J. Abrams doing you know Star Trek and Star Wars, there's kind of no excuse for people who are not fans to be doing the films, if that makes any sense. No, that makes total sense. I, it's it's an interesting thing that also came from like like doing black and like seeing that you know we were building a fan base. That's why I went to Kickstarter because you know I essentially saw it as a platform that validates you know essentially what you're doing. A lot of like film and TV and and comic book publishing, which and I, I caveat this what I'm about to say um, is you know often about pushing things out without you know, really kind of acknowledging whether people want it or not or knowing Mm -hmm. like, or being tone deaf to like, you know, the fandom behind something. And, you know, sometimes that's, that's fine because if you have like a vision and you're like Steve jobs, then yes, you you might be producing something (laughs) that's really going to change people's lives in the way, in the way they think. But even if you look at Steve jobs, it's not like he, he went out and made a better phone and a better computer. He didn't go out and say like, Oh, I'm just going to invent computers. Like, I mean, he did of course do that. With the original Apple right. TV, but I mean, like ultimately, like it's it's always been about like thinking about like the consumer and like what their needs are and like what what really resonates with them. And yeah, so, definitely yeah, doing something like Jim, like just totally tone deaf. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, I also was lucky this week to um, meet with uh, Alice Galejo, who is uh, the gentleman running Palm Springs Comic Con. Which I'm very excited that we're going to finally get our own little comp convention out here. Oh, that's awesome! Yeah, so we walked around our uh, our weekly uh, every Thursday night. The downtown area has kind of like a street fair, and uh, we just kind of walked around. We talked comic books. We talked about how the you know what his vision for the comic convention would be, and and I'm very excited about it. So I apologize if anybody is like, well, I'm never going to be to Palm Springs, so it really doesn't affect me, but you're going to be hearing a lot about Palm Springs Comic Con on this uh, podcast, because for us, it's a big deal out here. It's kind of exciting. Yeah, I mean, it's always great when there's like, you know, a good con happening in your hometown. Like, I'm in, I'm in New York, and New York Comic Con has, you know, now that now that I don't work for a big publisher anymore and can be sent out to San Diego, like, New York Comic Con's now my, like, big con. <laughs> Yeah. So and and it was it was pretty pretty impressive to to see this guy uh, network. He knows everybody. He's lived uh, in the valley his entire life, and uh, and you can tell people are excited about it because just everybody who was passing by, he's like, "So I heard the big announcement. We're gonna we're gonna see yet another Kickstarter coming up," and uh, he's like, "Yeah, make sure you support it." And I was like, "Wow, this is this is what it is about building a community." So I was very excited about that. Super How cool. about you? What have you been doing this week to to be geeky? Uh, really, just a, a staring at this Kickstarter. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, it's like work at working like a regular nine to five, and then doing this sort of like on the side and on the sly has been <laughs> definitely eye opening and uh, awesome. But um, that that's pretty much been my like focus this entire week, and like I, I've tried to like sneak in like you know a, a few hours of like gaming, but that hasn't really happened. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, last week Charlie mentioned that uh, that you don't realize how full time a Kickstarter campaign, how, how full time a job it, it is, until you realize you're starting to miss deadlines on your actual full time job. Yeah, and it and it's been like interesting and tough to like really like compartmentalize my brain and just like not acknowledge the Kickstarter from like pretty much nine to five. <laughs> And then yeah. at night, like that's all I'm thinking about, and like replying to people and like like thanking people. It just it, it, it's 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 been amazing, but at the same time, I'm like, whoa, it's like a marathon, you know? <laughs> it's like not not a lot of sleep, but it, it's definitely been amazing. Well, then why don't we get right into it and uh, talk all about Black and the Kickstarter campaign, and then uh, maybe uh, if we have a little time to talk about diversity and geek culture in general. Um, you, you've given us kind of the background of, of Black, but tell us how this um, how this Kickstarter developed and how this concept can, kind of developed. Sure. So, uh, you know, I kind of gave the like overview, but like, you know, about I've been a comic book fan like my like really my entire life. And so I think like a lot of people, you know, you gravitated towards like how you what you brought to like comics and, and readership, much like your student, you you know, he he wanted to like read something about soccer. And I kind of gravitated towards like the sort of characters that had like that fringe status and were on the outs- outskirts of society. So, you know, people like the X-Men um, were very appealing to me. But as I got older, you know, I looked at these characters again as an adult and really kind of thought to myself, like, well, I know that this is supposed to be like an allegory for like, you know, race and like bigotry and, and humanity. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's not as though like Wolverine's getting pulled over for driving a nice car. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. He can pretty much walk around in society and nobody's going to even like bat an eye at him until like he pops his claws out. So it's kind of like, well, stop doing that then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, stop, stop doing that. And like, you know, most of the X-Men can pretty much like live normal lives. Like they could take off the masks and, and the same goes for all superheroes in some sense. So it was kind of this allegory that like at the end of the day, I, I thought to myself, it's like, well, I, kn- I know what inspires this like, you know, as a metaphor, but, you know, it, it, it doesn't, it's not pushing it far enough. It kind of like, like loses its teeth, you know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) and you really put it into context and, you know, being a black person and working in the comics industry where there's not very many black people professionally working in the field. Um, I I thought like, well, what if only black people had superpowers? You know, it's like, let's, let's take something that's real in our society and add that sci-fi layer onto it. And right after I did that, like I, you know, I, I started coming up with the concept and the characters. And uh, Tim Smith, I, I had worked with him when I was you know, interning and I got hired at Marvel um, back in my back in my young days. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and I had seen him at uh, Mocha Fest and was looking through his art book and I thought to myself, like, wow, this guy just has such a unique approach to character design, the silhouettes, the you know, clothing, the, the stance, like it really came from a different perspective, you know, than what most people see, which is again like the capes and tights. And that was something that really spoke to me because when I thought about these characters, I didn't think of them like flying around in the air or like wearing like, you know, skin tight costumes. It's like they, they needed to be far more grounded because the concept was grounded you know, mm-hmm. far more in reality. And I told him what you know, the idea was and he jumped on it. So we started like, you know, working on it and it was, um, it had a different name then and coming up with like character design. So, I mean, this is, uh, Black is almost the second iteration of it because we've changed like so much since then and like the story has changed, but that core concept and idea was, is still the same. And so, you know, a few months ago, 
actually more than a few months ago now that I think about it, it was almost, yeah, probably like a last February, I, you know, I, I contacted Tim again and said like, look, man, I know we kind of sat on this for a long time, but let's, you know, times have changed. Like there's things like Kickstarter now and, you know, social media. It's like, we could really actually see if this idea, you know, floats, like people will tell us <laughs> with, with money or with like by ignoring us. <laughs> right. Right. And he's like, I, I'm in. And so I, we started putting a plan together. Um, I still, like thought like you know it's like you focus on design and you know having worked at DC for for quite a while I I, I had the pleasure of working with Jamal Idol and on the Ray and his uh, he's just so amazing he's such an amazing talent and so detailed and so like great in the way that he tells visual stories but he's also so fast like if you ever go and look at Jamal's art and like the amount of detail that he puts into it like he whips that stuff out like nobody's business <laughs> and I'm always stunned I'm like do you do you like a time machine or do you, <laughs> or like, are there a bunch of like kids in a factory in some third world country like drawing for you? <laughs> like, it's like amazing how quickly he draws like detailed, like, you know, characters and backdrops. And so from that experience, I was like, if I ever do this book, I'm definitely, you know, going to reach out to Jamal. And, and so I did. And Tim and I went over his place and showed him the concept and what we were thinking. And he signed right on. And I was thrilled about that. Um, cause you know, having somebody work on those interiors with like such a like great background and such a level of skill, I thought was really going to make people like understand that we were serious about like putting this book out. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, as, as someone who works in marketing and stuff like that, you know, I really wanted the covers to be something unique and pop because one thing is like when you see comic books on, on the shelves, like you can, it kind of look like, it kind of looks like a blur <laughs> sometimes mm-hmm. it's hard yeah. to like, kind of see something that really pops. And so. You know, Kari Randolph was somebody who I knew from the industry because people would always confuse us for each other, which is weird because we don't look anything alike. <laughs> we really don't. <laughs> but people often thought we were like the same person and we thought that was pretty funny. So we built a friendship from that. But I also really respect like what an amazing and energetic artist Kari is. So at this year's this year at Comic-Con, I approached him and sort of showed him like the mobile uh, site that I created for um, Black and had the concept on there. He, he just said, I'm in, I'm in, I'm in. And I was really happy and taken aback, but I wasn't sure if like, cause you know, we're at a party and we were drinking. I was like, are you sure? <laughs> so for like the next like two months, I just kept asking him like, are you sure? Like, I'm going to show it to you again. <laughs> cause you know, we were, we were outside. Um, and then just to kind of bring us all together and like, you know, like keep us all in line. Like I, I reached out to my friend and colleague, Sarah Litt, who was uh, editor at Vertigo in DC and previous to that um, at Penguin, we, you know, we worked together uh, in DC digital out in LA as well. And she's just like, a, you know, really classically trained editor. So aside from like liking comic books and stuff, she comes from like, you know, the, the classic publishing world. And I definitely wanted somebody who was going to like, look at this and not be like, not feel like she had to dance around anything if like you know the the, the concept like had holes in it <laughs> she she's a she's a very she's a very good editor at just saying like no that makes no sense or like you pretty much left this plot hole dangling <laughs> here like 10 pages ago and you need to address that before we get to this point in the story so it, it's it's it, it turned out to be like a really great team that i put together and that is, is working on this project i couldn't be happier <laughs> with the team um and i i guess in doing that, like we've, we've really seen great results on Kickstarter. It's, it's been, it's been amazing. Like the fact that we hit our goal in the first like four days, I was not ready for that. I fully admit it. I was just like, Oh wait, what? Yeah. I was gonna, I was gonna ask when you hit because I knew it was pretty early. Yeah. And, um, and I think I saw, um, 
one of my first guests was uh, a comic book writer by the name of David Gallagher, and he he forwarded on uh, Twitter, and I was like, what a great project and you know that's how I you know thought to to contact you and I think when I contacted you and had had pledged I would think it was at you know 2000 and uh and then I went back like a couple days later to see and I was like holy crap <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's pretty much the same reaction I had <laughs> yeah I it was it's just like and I I think and and you know correct me if I'm wrong but I think it says that that this is something that people want and need and is very relevant to what's going on today yeah and it's kind of what's kind of interesting is like when you say that sort of thing and when i would discuss it with my team and like friends and my wife and stuff you know that that seems to be like a known thing a known thing with us you know we've worked in the industry and like these are friends and family but when i brought it out into the into the world you know i kind of felt like you know this might be a hard sell or like people might like you know take a offense to it or like I, i didn't really know what to expect but deep down, like I knew that this was something important and something that was missing from like the industry. Like one of the people who really inspired my career was Dwayne McDuffie, who was one of the co-founders of Milestone. And you know, when I was a kid growing up and being a comics book fan, like when Milestone appeared on on the scene, like it hadn't really dawned on me that you know, like people of color were so underrepresented in the industry. And it was just mm-hmm. sort of like this moment when I went like, oh, yeah, we certainly are. <laughs> you know? it was just like, yeah. And it was just amazing. It's these great, diverse and interesting characters that Milestone was putting out. So, you know, as a plucky 17-year-old kid about to go off to college, I, I read through their indicia and called Milestone up on the phone and said like, hey, I want to work with you guys. I, I'm a writer and an artist, or at least I thought I was an artist back then. <laughs> I love to show you my stuff. And they let me come in. So, you know, put together a portfolio and walked in the office and sat down right across from Dwayne McDuffie and I showed him my work. Um, it sucked, by the way, just, you know, and he very, <laughs> he very graciously let me know that I was not ready for the industry and should go on to college um, and, and grow a little bit as a creative. But he also sat down with me for, the, for, for a whole other hour and essentially told me how comics work. You know why he created Milestone. Talk to me about the characters that I that I had created because they were also very diverse. And you know who to get into contact with, at, like Marvel or DC, and like the interning was a really great way to not only understand business but to you know get get your foot in the door. And mm-hmm. you know I kept that in mind you know all throughout college. So I basically you know applied to the Marvel internship program uh, in my like junior year, but then also got accepted to a program of study abroad in Japan. So. I prioritized Japan first, but when I came back, uh-huh. I reapplied and was accepted. And pretty much after, that was my senior year. I got hired right after graduation and ended up working in Marvel online as my first job. But that was all really, you know, thanks to, to Dwayne being so gracious and like, you know, just talking to some random kid off the street who decided to just call them up. I want to be a comic book artist. <laughs> So that's kind of like that was the like secret origin for this, but I, I've always admired what he did and like who he was in the industry. He was he wasn't afraid to like sort of you know speak his mind uh, about you know what was missing from the industry and what was needed. And you know after he passed away, that was another thing that sort of like stuck in my mind. That, like still an issue, like comics it's the mainstream comic book industry, and it was something that nowadays could easily be like changed, you know, independently could be changed. So that was one of the motivators for doing Black was that, you know, I wanted to put out 
uh, comic book that spoke about real true things and had like context context to its mm-hmm. content. It wasn't just about like, hey, let's let's swap this character's ethnicity and now we're diverse. It's like, no, let's tell a story <laughs> that has right. a perspective and like has some relevancy because you know there there is a context to being black. You know, not just in the United States, but you know across the world. Like it, there there's something that comes with it. And it's the same thing for all other sorts of ethnicities as well. But in particular, I didn't want it to be a story where it's just like, okay, well, I'm just making like the Black Avengers or something like that. Like there's there's a real context behind that. So I wanted to sort of like kind of walk in those footsteps that Milestone had, had set, you know, for everybody and put this out there. And people have been very kind and very supportive of it. So, well, and, and I and I think deservedly so because, as, as I said, I think this is a good time for people to get this material into their hands because I think people are hungry for it right now. Um, what has been some of the the feedback that you've been getting from from the public? Because you've been getting a lot of press on this too recently, haven't you? Yeah, yeah. The, the the press has been kind of amazing, and I know I just told you that sort of like secret origin story of of Kwanzaa in the comic book industry. But I, I wrote an essay about it because you know we're cu- we're coming up to the anniversary of Dwayne McDuffie's passing, and that was on EW ran that story, and I was really stunned, you know, because you know, I I didn't know that that's where it was going. It was kind of like holy crap, like you just published that. <laughs> Um, and, you know, aside from that, just like the, the press and the coverage has been like fantastic. I mean, when we launched, like the Washington Post covered it, Complex Magazine has covered it. It's just been like really like, you know, everywhere. And it's kind of weird to see your own creation, like showing up in your own like feed mm-hmm, <laughs> on mm-hmm. social media. Just like, you're like, oh, huh, that's, that's, that's the thing I did. <laughs> <laughs> and my friends are posting it and like now it's in my seedly and holy crap I just trained it on big <laughs> that's kind of cool so I mean it, it, it's, it's been really it's been really great um, and really building builds the confidence that I have in the project and that like you know it, it, it's true and that people really do want to read these kinds of stories I think that you know it's something that's definitely been missing you know from from the public and it's not just about like ethnicity, but just about variety because, you know, America, the world is just made up of so many different people with so many different perspectives. And for a long time, entertainment is really just focused on like one perspective. And it's really just been like one group that really kind of has dominated that, that conversation and that narrative. And, mm-hmm. you know, we've grown a lot as a society, at least in a, you know, in America, and we've grown a lot as humans where we need to start t- telling those stories more because I think, you know, just as consumers, they're just getting kind of bored with that same perspective. You know, it, it actually right. is becoming like boring. It's like, I mean, I, I hate I hate to use the term vanilla, but it is kind of like that when you think in terms of it's like it's like ice cream. It's just like, oh, so that's the only flavor we get. And they're like, yeah, but it's ice cream. It's great. It's like, yeah, like now put some like chocolate in there. You know, like <laughs> have that little strawberry. You know? And I'm a I'm an I'm a ice cream person like that's my vice. So when mm-hmm, I mm-hmm. so when I so when I parallel it there like I really mean that it's like yeah let's try like that one with the cookies in it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and and the thing is is it's the I think the frustrating thing is how slow the change is, um, which I think can take us a little bit into the second part of our conversation, which is um, diversity not just in comics but in in geek culture in general, and. I feel like with the the big the big name publishers have started to make attempts to try and um start getting diversity into their books but it's still very 
um, slow. I think it's starting to speed up as they're finding success with it. Uh-huh. But I'm not quite sure how um, you know what what they're looking at that's driving their decisions at this point. Do you, huh. you know, have any as, feelings about that or yeah. ideas well, about that? As someone who works in marketing, like I, I read like consumer reports, and I'd say like probably Marvel now with their association with DC have had that sort of stuff put in front of them now. Um, so it's definitely like an economic and business driven idea to like diversify their, their characters a bit more, because when you look at like the growing consumer groups, at least in America and in the U.S., like the, the top groups that are growing exponentially are Hispanics, blacks and Asians, like in that order. Mm-hmm. So, you know, these are the people who like are your new consumer groups that you that you need to tap into and are looking for things that not simply reflect you know, their own ethnicity and their, and their own voice, like that's definitely in there, but just something that shows a little bit more variety, a little bit more thought and a little, a little bit more inclusion. And I, and that's the, and inclusion is an important word. Um, Ava DuVernay, who's like a wonderful director, really, you know, put that in the forefront in terms of changing what the conversation is about. Cause diversity, diversity, at least in how I've been seeing it among publishers is something that you know, they might confuse with being able to like hire a freelancer to come in and like do their black character or just changing Mm -hmm. one of their iconic characters into a black person. But there, again, as I said, there's a context to that. And the context in this case is that, you know, these companies still don't have, you know, very many black editors. In fact, I don't think they have any, I was pretty much the only one I'd ever met in my 10 years between Marvel and DC. It was just me, mm-hmm. you know, and I never met any black editors, male or female. Like there was a few assistants like here and there. But, you know, like ultimately these people weren't in the creative culture and the creative conversation in order to influence this content. And that's why when I you know see these things happening, like I don't always think of it as something like, you know, Machiavellian or like, you know, it's like some Illuminati like trying to oppress anyone. It's more about just perspective. So if you just have like one group, which, you know, in this case, especially comics, because it's so geeky and so insular, Mm -hmm. it's just like white male, you're not going to get that diversity of perception. And, you know, I'd say like, that's why you've seen like Marvel have so much quick success um, with uh, female characters is because they've hired enough women (laughs) at this point. Right. And editorial to like change that perspective. And now they have to really start thinking about that in terms of like, you know, ethnicity and like that sort of background, because if they don't, they're, they're not really going to be able to like really unlock that sort of stuff. So you might hire somebody who's freelancer to do that, but like, how are you going to really understand like the perspective that they're trying to convey when things like things come up? Uh, a colleague of mine, Ron Wimberly wrote a really great article for the nib about his experiences doing some coloring for Marvel, where I absolutely don't think it was like his editor's intention, but you know, when an issue of race and color, skin color <laughs> as a color. So like, you know, this is definitely something important to him. Like came up, you know, he really had to have an uncomfortable con- conversation about, you know, ethnicity and, and what it means. And I don't think it fell absolutely on deaf ears, but I think not having that perspective made it very hard for understanding to be there. Whereas if I was his editor and I was working on that, I'd be like, oh yeah, you're totally right. Like this character's skin is like way too light to be like the ethnicity that we're portraying them as. And right. yeah, it's kind of, effed up to go and retcon this character to make them something that they weren't originally. And it's those kind of things that when you don't have those internal mechanisms, you're going to lose a little bit of sight of the kind of story you're telling. I'd read an article recently where like, you know, Michael, Brian, Michael Bendis, who has done like a phenomenal job in bringing a character like Miles Morales to the forefront 
you know, said that now that he's in like the 616 universe that he's going to like, you know, tackle race in the story. And, you know, I, I sort of looked at that article and thought to myself, like, well, you know, he's lived in this sort of fictional utopian universe where like that isn't actually like an issue. Like the external context mm -hmm. is why this exists. Like you wanted to make Spider-Man black to be more diverse for the readers. And that context is like external. But in your universe, there's no real context for that because it's a universe where the people who are, you know, fringe are mutants and humans, the thing, <laughs> like right. all those characters. Right. So, you know, it's kind of it, it, it's kind of like in the context of like, yeah, if you were watching like the Empire Strikes Back and then all of a sudden somebody turned around and said like, oh, my God, there's a black man in Cloud City. Like, it would be weird. <laughs> You know? Yeah, exactly. Because it's just the context isn't there. Right. And the same thing with, you know, like having um, John Boyega in the new Star Wars movie. It's just like, yeah, the context isn't there. So once you bring that into play or once you attempt to, you know, I, I think it, it's it's kind of it, I don't want to say the word. It's like it's touchy, but it is touchy because I understand, like, you know, uh, Bendis's intention. I understand and support his, you know, trying to, like tell this sort of story but at the same time it's coming from a very it's coming from his perspective i think on race and i don't know like what kind of research he does and i do know he has you know, like adopted children of color and stuff and i and i get that but you know when you tackle something like that especially for a person and a character who's miles's age it's like mm -hmm. you, it's like i think you really need to do your homework or else even unintentionally you're going to be coming from a place where you, you might be not representing something you you don't understand fully you know right. and 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 just for me personally i kind of just don't want that to be in the story <laughs> as, a, as a fan and a reader i'm like hey can we just like skip that one can we skip that over even though i'm saying on one hand that like marvel definitely needs to like you know be more mindful and address race in, in a better way than just like you know like ethnicity swapping i also am utterly content with like you know a character like that like just not having that be part of their narrative because it would just seem weird. <laughs> well, and I I'd imagine it's a a balance that you kind of have to strike because you you've got to write authentic stories, mm -hmm. but you also want to you know you don't want to be constantly preaching to everybody. Um, you know, you want people to be able to enjoy stories that are authentic to that character and make them relevant to as many people as possible. And so I can understand. Like I think that's the exciting thing about Black is that it's in a universe where this is what we are dealing with and we're going to read this because this is something we want to know about and, and experience and understand. Yeah. And that's the thing about black too, where it's like, I looked at other publishers and, and in some respect I can, you know, I feel like, you know, they don't really have the agency to move into these territories yet. And yet these stories need to be told and the context mm -hmm. and the content of black, they're intertwined. It isn't, it isn't just like, it's like, oh, I'm, like I said, I'm just making like, you know, Black Avengers. Like, no, that's, that's not what's going on here. <laughs> you know, it's not a spoof. It's not a like pastiche or anything like these characters have their own agency, their own mythos and their own origin. And it's just being told from a, a certain perspective. Um, but, you know, in terms of like message, I also did want to, you know, much like Milestone did put out characters that could show like the diversity and the depth of, of you know, African-Americans and black people uh, in the United States and across the world, because, you know, usually when you read comics, like, again, when you have something like an ethnicity swap or something, you're kinda, you kind of you have these characters who are taking on a mantle and the external context is that, that they're just, you know, almost like a poster child for diversity versus like, you know, what's their real story here? Like, what's what's behind this and like, what's the context and meaning in this character now being this person? Mm -hmm. um, but, 
you know, they also have to carry and shoulder the weight of like an entire ethnic group. <laughs> so, right. So they tend to be like a little bit two dimensional, you know, like if you throw like a John Stewart on the Justice League, you know, when like not when you're a kid necessarily or maybe when you're a kid, like when I would watch, you know, like a Justice League cartoon and see like John Stewart, I'm like, so what? Am I supposed to like that guy just because he's the brown one? Like, no, John Stewart kind of mm-hmm. sucks. <laughs> you know, he's, and, 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 I, and I stand by that. It's like, no, Batman is way cooler than that dude. Like, I don't I'm just going to like all of a sudden be like, yay, Cyborg. It's like, no, Cyborg kind of blows. <laughs> I don't want to be that guy. Mm -hmm. So, you know, with black, it's like just having like that, that depth of characters so that people can, you know, really see that there's conflict and different views and different perspectives, you know, even within like, you know, a certain group. And in doing that, you know, you have that, you know, ability to tell that story. Cause like, if you look at something like, you know, classic Avengers lineup and even the movie lineup, it's like, there's so much diversity among those characters and who they are. You know, you've got Cap, who's the soldier, you've got Tony Stark, who's the billionaire, you know, industrialist. You've got Thor, who's the egan maniacal god. You've got Hawkeye. You know, there's just like here are all these guys, and they're all different. And that's what's interesting about bringing them together. And then you kind of like maybe have Falcon on the side, and like who is he? Oh, right, mm-hmm. he's the brown guy. <laughs> it's like right, and and so and often often that's kind of like just as far as these publishers are willing to go, and as far as like you know these characters you know reach. But when you you know can tell a story that actually like resonates and and has reason, like that's really what I was trying to like you know do with Black, and that's kind of the story that I'm trying to tell. It's like it's about our humanity. It's not uh, like on a on its surface, and because like you know it is about like a, a specific group. Yes, Black is you know a story about these Black characters, but it's really about this whole universe and like how everybody in it deals with this phenomenon because whenever i've like told people the log line like asked them that question like what if only black people had superpowers i I get a different reaction from everybody so it's kind of like what you bring to it and that's what this story about it's like what how do how do different people deal with something like this very cool what do you think the next um the next area in geek culture is that needs to kind of take a look at their diversity and and start um start really campaigning for for more i would i would definitely say like you know um sci-fi and fantasy i I think you know we've seen and and you know and and how that bleeds into like video game stuff i'll say video games for example because you know often you know for for a good long time like video games were really coming out of japan like through nintendo and all those characters and the way that history had kind of worked out like you know you very much had a, a white male influence on japan and then you had characters that came out of that who were always these sort of like ambiguous but definitely like caucasian characters you know mm-hmm. and it doesn't take much to just like you know make things more diverse but you know going from a culture like that which is also like you know homogenous itself you know like that's not going to be you know on top of mind for them either but that is something i'd I'd definitely like to see change because i i think there's so much room to like you know tell those stories in those mediums as well um I mean, it's great when you see characters like Lara Croft getting a revamp and becoming like, you know, a different kind of like female lead character who is also like one of the greatest mass murderers in history. <laughs> yeah. I really, I love that. I love the revamp game, but holy crap. Like after I was done, I was like, she has, I've killed a lot of people. <laughs> killed, killed a lot of people today. <laughs> no, and, but I still think, you know, there's a lot to be, to be, done in that genre in terms of like you know being more inclusive of different perspectives and seeing how that changes uh, like video game narratives 
because that's that's the real exciting thing that comes out of this. That's the really great exciting thing that comes out of telling a story like Black is like what impact will it change in like how we tell stories now? Yeah, definitely. So so maybe hopefully a um, oh what's that that set of um, really really amazing um, video games that they do the Walking Dead and Fables and oh Telltale. Yes, so we maybe be push for a Telltale uh, Black story down the line. Oh, you know that would be so. Because I I love Telltale games. Like I replayed uh, Game of Thrones so many times, like just out of utter frustration. Like they really kind of nailed the whole like choice system on that iteration of the, of their platform. Because man, I like I was like so really it's just like no matter what I say, Cersei is just always going to be a, a huge d bag. That's just uh, it's yeah, just yeah. it's just it. Like there's no winning here. <laughs> but the number of hours they logged out of me for that game. Man. Yeah, there's so got to like, be some good decision. Nope, oh, never mind. No. <laughs> no. Life is dark. <laughs> uh, well, that's awesome. Well, thank you. And um, we do have, as of this recording, we're going to try and get this out uh, today, which is the 20th of February. Um, you've you've well exceeded your goal, but we can still keep going, correct? Absolutely. I mean, you know, the the real uh, the reason that like most of the rewards have the book in it is because I really want people to read it. And I think that's why people have participated so much in the Kickstarter is that you know, I want to get the book into people's hands. So this is your way to get it. It's going to be a limited edition run. There won't be another book like this. So, you know, if we, you know, end up like partnering with a publisher and putting out like a regular, like periodical or like, you know, reissuing the book, it's not going to be the same book. So this will definitely be something that's, you know, a collector's item. Now, is is this finite, or do you see taking this into something that's more serialized? Or well, I originally um, uh, planned uh, Black as three books, um, so I was very much, you know, New Hope, Empire Strikes Back, <laughs> Turn of the Jedi <laughs> kind of uh, concept to it, and that's and that still stands. But uh, there's definitely room in between those books to tell other stories, which again is why I came up with like the Man Diaries um, to really kind of like have those like interstitial like narratives that we tell. So. Hopefully, you know, people will be just as open and vocal about what they like about Black and that'll, like, you know, color the decision on, you know, what other characters we can explore and what other stories we can tell. But I will stand by the fact that, like, I won't I won't ever tell a story that, you know, doesn't have an intention behind it. So mm -hmm. I, I don't want to just put stuff out just to, like, you know, have shelf space and to just, you know, tell a long serial. Like, that's that's not my jam. I want people to read a story and walk away from it you know, with it having, you know, less of an impact on them. Very cool. Well, I'm very excited to, to read it, and I'm very excited yeah. to, for everything that uh, you've got going on right now. So congratulations. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. All right. Um, any shout-outs for this uh, this week? Anybody that you'd like to let them know you're thinking about? them uh i just i definitely want to shout out my team like you know uh, tim smith three jamal eigel kyra randolph um and sarah lit like i couldn't do any of this without them at all um i definitely would love to like give a shout out to uh my lovely wife who's been supportive of me being <laughs> like kind of like detached for the last month <laughs> very patient and supportive and you know and and always my like good friend uh, John Roberts, uh, one of the co-founders of Comicsology, and then uh, he he's he's been like a great help and really uh, advising me, and like always a good friend and a ear <laughs> to rely on. That's awesome. 
That's awesome. Uh, I'd like to give a shout out to Alex Calego uh, for the Palm Springs Comic Con. He uh, is going to start his Kickstarter at the end of this month. So on February 29th, you're going to see a lot of a lot of Palm Springs Comic Con stuff coming out of Geekitude because we're excited about it. Cool. And also a big shout out to uh, Charlie Feldman and uh, Creature Tubes for uh, she was our guest last week and and congratulations guys on um, making your Kickstarter goal. That's that's awesome and exciting. And they've passed the three thousand mark while we've been talking. That's awesome. Or thirteen thousand. Yeah, I just I just supported it. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you. <laughs> All right. Um, all the music in this episode is by Ben Sound and is being used under a Creative Commons license. You can find more music by Ben Sound at bensound.com. You can f- currently find uh, us and our show at Geektitude. You can also fi- find us on iTunes and on Stitcher. So please check those out and leave us a review if you can. Hopefully five stars, but, you know, honesty is good. Uh, if you would like to contact me, you can send me an email at joehogan at geektitude.com. You can also follow the show on Twitter at Geektitude and me personally at Epic Grays. Uh, where can we find you guys? Uh, you can find us you know, at our Kickstarter, uh, kck.st forward slash black. And we are on all the social medias. <laughs> uh, you can find us at uh, Black Superpowers. Uh, uh, that's our that's our handle without the without the O's and the U's. Without the O's and the U's. Yeah, without the O's, the U's, and the, no, we do have a U. But you know what? Just Google it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. I will put it in the show notes. Okay. So great. if you guys need to find them, all the, all their contact information will be in uh, in our show notes today. Awesome. Thank you so much, Kwanzaa, for uh, helping us out today and talking to us about your your. Uh, novel. We're very excited about it, and uh, I, I hope anybody listening to this, if you haven't donated, go ahead and, and help them finish reaching all their stretch goals and uh, and uh, give them give them your support. Thanks. <laughs> and for those of you listening, remember this week: keep it geek. <laughs>